You're listening to the King of the Fourth podcast, offering in-depth analysis on all things Boston Celtics with your hosts, Jim and Mike Quigley. So the Celtics split with the Sixers and they're one and one going into a huge game in Philly tonight for what should be in front of a very um, raucous crowd, uh, you know, wired, ready to go with the Joel Embiid getting his MVP award and a Sixer fan base that feels like they can um, they can steal this series, especially if they protect home court. Um, but Mike, here we are, one and one, and kind of in an odd way to do it. Um, lose the first game where there is no Joel Embiid and win the second when there is. Um, how are you feeling? What are your thoughts? Um, where are things going with this team? feeling this is going to be a deep series and I'm feeling like the Celtics blew an opportunity to take a 2-0 lead. Uh, I wasn't surprised that they came out in game two and played the way that they did. That's typically what we've seen from this team Hold now on. for you, a while. You texted me saying you thought they were going to lose game two. So how can you not be surprised? I wasn't surprised, but you texted me saying they were going to lose. I, I said that I thought they were going to lose the series. Um, I don't know. I'm not certain. I said they were going to lose game two, but I, I know I was okay. saying I was fearful they were going to lose the series. Um, I was a big loss in game one. I, I don't know why they didn't come out playing that same level of intensity on the defensive end that we saw in game two. And I think the big test for me in the Celtics team is how they respond after the win and how they come out tonight in particular. Embiid certainly isn't the same player. And I think that definitely played into the Celtics' favor in the second half, especially deep into the second half. He wasn't blocking shots or protecting the rim the way he was in the first half. He had no interest in getting out on Al Horford, which could play a big role tonight. If Al's hitting threes tonight, that's certainly going to favor the Celtics. And I, I don't expect Embiid to be the same, so... That's a huge advantage for Boston, especially in the second half of games. My concern with the Celtics isn't X's and O's anymore, Jim. It's, are they going to show up? Are they going to be intense enough? Are they going to be present? Is Jalen Brown going to continue to set the tone like he did in game two? Is Jason Tatum going to show up? Or is he not going to show up? So when I think that, you know, Philly could win the series. It's not because they're the better team. It's because the Celtics just wouldn't show up for three or four nights in the series and let go of the rope. Um, and that's my biggest concern about this team going forward. If I'm going to be honest, I, I think what we saw in game two is what they're capable of. And I think what we saw in game one is what they're capable of. Yeah, no, they, there's still maturity issues. And um, I know we've been tough on Missoula. You know, when you look at game one and, you know, what happened in game five. But these are all end-of-game issues that continue to pop up. Um, and they popped up under Ime. They popped up under Brad Stevens. And now they're rearing their ugly head again. And it, it just feels like this team hasn't fully grown up. Um, you know, as well as hot and played, and he, and he did. He deserves all the credit in the world for game one. The Celtics were in position up four with under two minutes to go. They were up three with the ball with under two minutes to go. And, and you just saw a lot of the same 
type um, errors, you know, where there was a possession where Tatum held the ball for too long and had to settle for um, off-balance three with about two and a half minutes to go. There was another possession where Jalen Brown had an opportunity in a fast break to put them up six and decided to dribble the ball out, and the Celtics oh. did not get a shot. I mean, he had a two-one with about you know two minutes to go. There was no reason, only up four, to slow down. And then, you, of course, you had that shot clock violation, and that, you know, Smart had a easy shot at one point during that possession. Tatum had a chance to drive. And then the guy you brought in here to settle you down in these situations completely choked, and Malcolm Brogdon, you know, it's tough to really, you know, find a worse pass. You know, it's like that and Jacoby Myers against the Raiders uh, at the end of the season were two of the dumbest plays I've seen. Um, I don't even know where Brogdon was passing it to. Um, and how didn't he know it was low clock at that point? It, it just, and then, you, you know, you texted me too, that why didn't they double James Harden at the end of the game to take the ball over his hand for a three? And sure, they could have trapped, but why even switch it? And, and the switch is coming off P.J. Tucker, who is a completely, complete non-entity um, on offense. In fact, the whole game with P.J. Tucker in game one, they treated him as an offensive threat. Um, they, they and he almost, didn't shoot it one time. No, no. They And, you know, they weren't in a position to overhelp on drives. They they were stuck to him on as a shooter. It was really – and I, I think that's mental maturity. I do. You know, I can't believe that was in the game plan. If it was, that's criminal. Um, but you saw what happened in game two when they, they played him differently. And just to your point on Embiid, I think the reason he didn't block shots in the second half is because the Celtics were driving and kicking, um, not because he couldn't um, protect the rim anymore. I, I think that's the one thing he still can do because he's so big and there isn't a lot of lateral movement to do that. Um, but he does not get out on shooters right now. Uh, Mike, you're absolutely right. That is evident. There was one, you know, the Celtics moved the ball. I think it was late in the second quarter and in the third quarter, and Grant Williams got a wide-open three in the corner, and Joel Embiid wasn't even in the zip code. You know, he didn't even attempt. And all those shots by Al Horford were wide open. Now, he went one for nine, but he needs to start making them, especially in Philly, because they're going to be wide open. And I think the other thing you have to do, and you saw it in game two, and the the Celtics, you know, pace for the most part in game one, except for the end of the game, was not a problem. Is that they got to continue to run these guys? Uh, Tucker, Harden, and Bede don't want to get into a track meet with you. They're not really capable of it. You are going to continue to get good looks if you can get stops, defensive rebound, or create turnovers like you did in game two. I mean, the Celtics are plus ten in the turnover differential in game two. Finally, um, and get out and run. Because I, I just don't think those guys uh, want to or are capable of getting in a track meet with you. And easy hoops on the road are going to be huge. It's good because tonight's going to be wild. It is absolutely going to be wild in Philly with that crowd. Yeah, it might be wild. I think for me, the difference in game one to game two is at the beginning of the game, of game two, the Celtics offense wasn't in sync, but it was their defense that kept them in it. And they were making stop after stop to start that game. It was ugly and kind of like a rock fight for the first 
maybe like half a quarter, maybe even a little longer. And it was because the Celtics were up in guys. And Jalen Brown set the tone right from the beginning. I was all over him in game one saying he doesn't defend anybody because literally he didn't. And then you come to game two and you see him right up in James Harden, right up in Maxi, making things difficult, not running away on the pick and roll, you know, being in the right spot defensively. I don't know why they can't do that on a night-to-night basis and why it was missing so long from the playoffs. But when the Celtics play defense like that, Jim, they're, they're almost impossible to beat because the Celtics on an off night offensively is still going to get 110 points. It, it comes down to them wanting to defend. It really does for me. I, if they defend, they could win the series in five. But we'll but- see if they do. Yeah, and I, I kind of think in some ways, too, with Embiid in there, your defensive assignments get easier. You know, when Embiid's on, it's obviously not easier to defend, but I think your defensive assignments become easier. You know, James Harden plays different. He's also, you know, not on nine days rest, and I, I think we saw the difference between nine days rest James Harden and one day's rest James Harden. Um, but, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Brown, Brown picked up the ball pressure. Um, they were committed to their assignments. They defended the ball very, very well. Um, I, I thought the ball patch pressure was contagious. Brogdon got into his man. White got into his man. Um, obviously, Grant came in and, and did a really good job. That was a big difference. You know, and, um, you know, he struggled the night before on Hodden, but he did a really good job on Embiid. They, so they did a really good job. Um, and offensively, I thought it was a rock fight, not because the Celtics weren't executing their offense. They weren't turning the ball over and not getting good shots. They were just missing shots early. Missing shots, yeah. But the good news was they were missing them long. It showed a team that had a lot of energy. This wasn't a team that was coming up short or anything like that. They were missing long. And then eventually, usually when you miss long, um, you know, you, you find a way to get into rhythm. And, and that's what happened. I... I I think I I think they need to come up with that same type of ball pressure. I think they need to be ready for the screening rolls to be a little bit higher. Um, I wonder, uh, you know, how Embiid's knee is doing today. Did it swell up after playing, you know, a decent amount of minutes for a guy that's coming off a grade two uh, LCL sprain, which isn't isn't a minor injury, um, especially for a big man. And, and you just gotta test these guys. Um, I wonder, too, if they go back and they watch the tape, if we're going to see the ball in Maxie's hands a little bit more offensively because he's the one guy that I, I thought was still, be, was still able to create um, problems for the Celtics defense uh, in game two, just like he did in game one. You know, he was constantly – he was still getting to the paint. He was still creating havoc. He was playing with a lot of confidence. You know, I'm surprised at how well he's shooting off the dribble. Um, so I, the, I, do, the, I do wonder if Philadelphia is going to go to him more. And the P.J. Tucker minutes, I, I'm interested to see if they continue to play him heavy minutes because I, I, I think he becomes a liability if the Celtics are playing fast. Yeah, I mean, P.J. Tucker is not a liability if the rest let him do P.J. Tucker's stupid things, though. I mean, that guy commits like 38 fouls a game that just don't get called. I can't stand watching him. Tatum dribbling the ball up with P.J. Tucker pushing him in the back three or four times in the possession. And then you go down the other end and James Harden falls or Embiid just fall on the ground and it's a foul. 
Yeah. And I might be sounding like Mr. Negative today and I apologize, but I thought, I thought the Grant Williams minutes were huge in game two and I'm putting out a call to Rob Williams all season long. We've been talking about the difference makers, Rob, and if Rob's healthy, the Celtics are impossible to beat. And he was a missing piece last year. I'm, I'm sorry, Jim. I just don't see it right now. I just don't see it. I don't see the impact from Rob at all. I haven't seen it much in the playoffs. We've had bits and pieces of it. But game one, especially for me, Rob was just getting killed on the pick and roll. And some of it was not his fault. I will say that. You mentioned Maxi getting what he wants, even in game two. The difference between game two and game one with Maxi, though, is the Celtics made him work for it. Yeah, he didn't did. have the he didn't have the space, and so he ended up shooting under fifty percent in game two because the Celtics made him work for everything. In game one, he didn't have to work for anything. He was so comfortable out there, and once they ran that pick and roll in the third quarter against Rob, it was like, do whatever you want. There was no Rob wasn't getting out at all on him, and then on top of it, he's not cleaning up the boards on on misses. So I don't know if you're seeing the same thing, but. I thought, he was very, I thought he was very effective in game two because what you can do is they don't use Tucker in a heck of a lot of action. So they just, and you saw Horford start on him a bunch. And um, you saw Rob when he was in there start on him. Um, and sometimes when he's out, they'll start him on Harris. But those guys tend to just kind of hang out in the corner. And what we were able to do is you, you utilize Grant on Embiid um, and they were able to pick up the ball pressure, and there wasn't many second opportunities. And it, it really limits Rob or, or Al in a lot of ways, um, pick and roll vulnerabilities, because you have them in a space where you know they're basically rim protectors and, and defensive rebounders at that point, um, especially because of the, how Philadelphia plays it. I, I think Rob's really important um, if Embiid's out there. Uh, and, and I thought his minutes, you know, you could even make an argument that he should be starting in, in this series with Embiid out there. But his minutes pretty much matched Embiid's um, once uh, Rob came into the game. And I, I think that was, you know, a, an intentional decision. Um, now, what it does do, it takes out one more three-point shooter and doesn't draw Embiid out which is a little bit of a problem on offense, but he, he uh, defensively in the defensive rebounding pot and the guy that they had to help, um, you know, if Embiid starts to drive, he becomes very effective. And so I think this is a really good series for him. Um, and he should be okay against the second unit. You know, what James Harden did, I'm curious to see if he can do that again. Um, even, you know, when Embiid comes out and he has to anchor the second unit, um, I think you could see some Rob minutes there too, because I, I just don't know if Harden can do what he did last time. And the Celtics should be able to fight through those screens a little bit better and help that's Rob. That's what I'm there. saying. Because, yeah. Well, the other part of it to me that's, I don't understand is last year, Rob and Allen, those pick and rolls could just get up on guards. And that's what kind of made them special. They would block three-point shots. They would pressure the ball. And um, and this year, they just drop into the paint. 
I, I wonder what that make life easy. I don't know what I don't know what that's about because that for me it was always like what made Rob different from other centers in the NBA was that he wasn't just a rim protector. He was a three point shot protector. He could get up on people and then get back to the rebound. And the same with Al. And that's did they take a step back because of Rob's injury? Is Alice a year older or is it is it part of the game plan? Yes, yes, and yes. I see, I think last year the defense was designed, you know, where they were in, if you remember, Mike, it was like a four four guys would switch. The guards and Al. So Tatum Brown Smart and Al or Derek White would be in there. And, and Al and Rob would essentially play a one man zone. Yeah. Where he wouldn't switch at all. He would he would be down on that left or right block. You know, sometimes he'd have to come out and, and it was easier because he wasn't asked to do it a lot, right? Um but they would scramble a ton so that way Rob wouldn't be put in those positions. And, you know, they could effectively use him where he is, um, you know, a vicious defender, essentially, you know, down by the rim and, and be able to clean up. Um, and I think, you know, even a year out now from his knee surgery, he's probably not a, he's probably not 100% back to himself. He's close. I, I think he's better than he has been. Um, but they seem to be switching one through five a lot more with Rob um, than we we saw last year at any point. So I, I do think there's a bit difference of defensive philosophy there. Um, I don't I don't think it's the best philosophy, but at the same time they're not they're not going double bigs a ton either. You know, they like they did last year. Um, so I wonder if you see that more. And I thought you started a little bit uh, in game two, where you, especially you didn't see Rob out in the pick and roll actions much at all in game two. Um, and as far as Al goes, yeah, I think he's a year older, Mike. He's 37. Um, asking him to come out on Trey Young and James Harden is, is asking a hell of a lot at this point of his career. He still does it better than you should at that age. You know, I, I actually thought his deep, if you go back and look at his defense on Harden, on that last shot, it wasn't bad. Well, you know, his, his hand was right there. I mean, he, for a guy his size, you couldn't ask for much better. You really couldn't. It was not bad defense at the end of the game. Hadden just made a great play. Um, now, I think Smart could have maybe directed him off his spot more and been, he had the ability to get up more in him than, you know, Al can or will. But, uh, you know, he did an okay job, but you're right. He's older, and I, I just don't think he's capable of of doing it like he did last year. Um, but I, I I do think, you know, that's why it's it's interesting with Embiid because are they going to set the screen out higher? Are they going to run more screening rolls with Embiid, Maxi, um, or Embiid, Harden? And can Embiid do it? You know, can it be? Does he have the lateral movement right now to kind of get down constantly off the of screen and rolls? I don't think he does. Yeah, well, that's that's huge, right? Yeah, I I mean, I saw him limping out there. Yeah, at points, I, I just it kind of reminds me of Rob last year in the playoffs. Yeah, it does. You know, it's it's too bad. It's it, for him, it's too bad. That's for sure. Yeah, at this point, though, I don't care. I'll take whatever advantage the Celtics can get. I feel like, I feel like at this point, they need some of those advantages. We're still waiting for them to play consistent, you know. So, 
I'll take it right now in the early rounds. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they do that with him. He might come out and play a great first half. I, I don't think he can do it for four quarters. I really don't. Yeah, no, I, it's going to be interesting to see how they manage their minutes. And um, I, I, so I, I think as these games get later, it's, it's going to be real interesting to watch Embiid. And, and on these one-day refs, how is Harden going to look in these high-leverage, big-minute games? You know, he certainly didn't look good Wednesday. Is that a, um aberration, or is that more of what you saw against Brooklyn, where he wasn't good? So I think those are big question marks for Philly. You know, tonight for the Celtics, uh, they've – Last year, this is where they kind of rose to the challenge quite often. You know, you, you go on the right. road and, you know, I think Milwaukee was 1-1. Um, I don't remember if they won game three or game four down in Milwaukee, but they split. Um, you know, they won the majority of the road games in round two and round three. Um, and then he, they won game one of the NBA finals on the road. So they they have been good, you know, and in, in big road situations. So can they... And tonight's going to be a big one. I, I, I think this is a Sixers crowd that realizes this is a team that's come up short over and over again. Um, this outside of the Jimmy Butler team is probably the best shot. If they get by the Celtics, they could be looked at as the favorites to win the NBA Finals. So there is, there is going to be – that place is going to be – the top's going to be ready to blow off. And you, this is where you know you mentioned Tatum earlier. Um, yep. This is this is where you really need your superstar players to step up because there are going to be moments in this game where it's you know this offense is going to break down, and you need a guy like him to bail you out, and you need a guy like him to really lead you um, on the road. He, the Celtics are going to say one or two, he or win both. He needs to be really, really good in at least one of them. Well, yeah, and you also need, and this is where coaching does play a big impact in the series. Missoula has to help him out and draw up some sets where Tatum doesn't have to work so hard to score, where he doesn't have to drive from the top of the key on two guys to get a basket, where he's settling to pass to the open guy because he's constantly being double teamed. We'll force the Sixers to throw two guys at Tatum, follow line extended, and see how that works out. Like they have to run some action for him to make his life a little bit easier because I didn't really see that in game two. I know Tatum was in foul trouble for most of it, but it looked like one of those games where he was going to struggle from the floor. It had that vibe to it, and it didn't look like anything was coming easy. Everything for him, he had to create on his own. And that's really freed up Jalen Brown, and credit to Brown for shooting the ball extremely efficient through these first two games. And maybe the game plan is for Brown to set the tone again in the first quarter here in game three. But I think the smart thing to do would to run some sets for Tatum where you get them away and putting him in some easier positions to score. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, you know, I thought early on in game two, he actually, he, he scored four quick points from the free throw line where he was just... <laughs> getting to the basket without any issue at all. Um, and then he picked up those offensive charging fouls, and I thought it took away that aggressiveness. Now, I, I think 
you know, you saw at the end of game one where they were able to get him the ball out of a ATO um, and draw something up where he quickly got downhill and they couldn't do anything but put their hands all over him. And he was able to get to the free throw line within a couple of seconds of catching the ball. I, I think they can put him in more positions like that. I, I think he really needs to get out of the habit of, okay, I have not scored in three or four possessions and I'm the guy that's, you know, the face of this team and on the commercials and stuff. So I need to dribble around out here on the three-point line and put up a shot. Um, I, I think there's other ways to get him going, as you su- suggested. And I, I think he needs to do things that create good habits within this game and not, you know, kind of what you saw at the end of game two. I mean, at the end of game one in different parts of game two, where I, I felt like he forced the action. So and when he, he, he really to needs force, to come up big. He really needs to come up big. Yeah, and when he has to force the action, that's what can cause foul trouble. Because you're asking a guy to drive from the top of the key to the paint every time. Philly has the guys in that team that are going to step in and take that charge. Even there, even guys who aren't like great defenders and in Philly, for the most part, in the, for the first two games of the series, even though that it was in Boston, it feels like they're the team getting the benefits of the calls. So I feel like you have to figure out a way to get Tatum some, some easier opportunities. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and see how the game is being called, too. You know, hopefully it's called more like game one than it was in game two. I thought in the first half, it, the referees really killed the flow of the game quite often with all their whistles. Um, got better as the game went on, but yeah, he, he, um, he certainly has to be better. You know, his clunker was a good clunker in the sense that they didn't really need him, you know? Um, so, but he, he really, he needs to show up and respond in this, uh, on the road here, um, because they are going to need him. You're going to have, you know, you got to remember all of a sudden the shots got easier for like guys like Tobias Harris and PJ Tucker and George Niang. Um, you know, and you just named the sixer player when, when they're at home, it, you know, in the playoffs, it's role players always shoot better. So you're going to see some guys hit shots that you like, that will be contested tonight. That is going to make you shake your head, but that's why you need your superstars to really step up. And he has, you know, in the playoffs on the road, he has, he did it in game five against Atlanta. He was great. He certainly did it in game six against Milwaukee. He did it in game seven against Miami, um, where he's played very, very well. They don't win the game in Miami without, you know, him in the fourth quarter, you know, despite that almost collapse. Um, So they need those type of performances from him in at least one of these, um, and hopefully it's tonight. All right, well, big game tonight. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Hopefully the Celtics take game three and get back to home court advantage. And we'll see everybody again next week.